0: I'm so glad to welcome you to The Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. So, coming up a little later, we have a segment for you that, for many people, is their favorite segment of our show, Clark Stinks. It's where you get to hear where people are angry at me, disappointed in me, or feel like I just don't get it right. So I'm going to talk about something that is not right at all. There's a pitch that comes in waves that as there's more talk about the U.S. economy slowing and the possibility of a recession, again, it's only a possibility of a recession, about one in three chance, uh, people start to become a little more serious about their money. So the pitches start from banks, third parties, and mortgage companies, pitching you on paying your mortgage off with a bi-weekly loan. The idea is you take half a monthly mortgage payment and make that payment every two weeks. And what the promise is, at today's mortgage rates, likely on a 30-year loan, you'll cut four years off your loan and save probably uh, you know tens of thousands of dollars or at least a couple of tens of thousands in interest. So that's the pitch. And so the solicitations will say, save thousands of dollars on your mortgage. Pay your loan many years earlier. Pay it off many years earlier than you would have otherwise. Sounds pretty exciting, right? Well, let me tell you how this thing plays. You will either pay a junk fee up front and a junk fee over time, every payment you do, or you pay a junk fee every month for doing this. Many times when the pitch comes from your bank, they're getting a commission for conning you into a biweekly payment program that is run by a third party and the bank washes its hands if the third party absconds with your money or doesn't properly make payments on time. And the bank's just, oh, no, all we were doing was letting you know about this as a public service. We have nothing to do with it, even though they line their pockets with it by getting you to sign up with the biweekly thing. The reality is all you got to know is the math. So there's 52 weeks in a year, right? When you make half a mortgage payment every two weeks, Over those 52 weeks, you've made 26 half payments, or the equivalent of 13 monthly payments. By paying half a payment every two weeks, all you're really doing is you're making 13 mortgage payments a year instead of 12. But it gets more sinister. The people the bank's in cahoots with that they took the kickback from uses the money you pay each month, each time you pay every two weeks, and you build up a reserve of money, they use that money interest-free for their own benefit, and then you're trusting them at the end of the year to make one additional payment for you. Do you know you get much more impact with your money if you took what your monthly mortgage payment would be, divide it by 12, And just pay that one-twelfth additional principal payment each month. You save much more money that way, and you don't have to pay the junk fees, and you know the money made it to the mortgage. In every possible way, it's better for you to do it yourself. Your payment coupon, if you get a payment coupon book, most people get a monthly statement now, it'll have a box on it for additional principal payment. So you pay that additional amount each month at one-twelfth and what it does is it means that those dollars that you paid extra never have a dollar of interest charged against them ever again. You get much bigger impact instead of waiting till the end of the year and then one payment is made you're making one extra twelfth of that each month all year long for as long as you want and you'll shave more time off your loan and you won't have paid any junk fees And you don't have to worry about the bank selling you out to some fly-by-night outfit that maybe doesn't make the payments as they should, pays your loan late, leaves you up the river with late pays or no pays, ruined credit, money missing, all the rest. You would think your bank was actually doing what's best and right for you. Well, most do. Unfortunately, there are many that... Have no ethics, no honesty, and no decency. Andrew is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Andrew.
1: Hi, Clark. Thanks for having me on.
0: Certainly, Andrew. How can I be of service to you today?
1: Well, I am uh, a backpacker and a shoestring traveler, and uh, I'm always trying to find ways to save money when I travel. Have you ever done couch surfing? I have done couch surfing. Um, uh, tell us your one.
0: best and worst experiences couch surfing.
1: Well, I've only done it uh, once, and uh, it wasn't a great experience. Um, it was a very smelly home and um, noisy. Yeah, noisy <laughs> children on the floor above and noisy children on the floor below. So um, that was my my one chance with uh, couch surfing. I haven't done it since, but I might uh, I might try it again.
0: Uh, our producer, Joel, used to think it was a great idea to do couch surfing. How many times did you do it? A handful, a handful. I got I to gotta tell you, though, one of my good friends, Travis, met his wife on couch surfing, so it's not all bad. And you met a beer drinking buddy, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course. I've met some good people through Couchsurfing, although it is hit or miss, that's for sure. And is there still like a website for that that's a clearinghouse? What is it? Yeah, it's Couchsurfing.com. I'm pretty sure it's still there. I haven't done it in a long time because I'm too old. It's free to go be on somebody else's sofa? Yeah, you can list yours or or other people have theirs listed and you can reach reach right out to them. So you're done with that. So what are you thinking of doing now, Andrew?
1: Well, I mean, uh, I I might might give it a shot again, but um, right now I found... uh, a website that is specifically geared towards people who are um, putting our house up to be um, rented uh, to house sitters. Um, so it's a, an exchange. You take care of their animals and things, and um, you just live in their house for free for the amount of time that they're gone. So it's like a, a day or week or month. And they do charge a fee, and that's kind of where I'm uh, at a loss whether or not to, to go ahead and pay that fee. How, much, read, is the, uh, how much is the fee? Um, It's $90 for um, the the sitter, and then it's $120 if you are the homeowner and, and pet owner.
0: Okay, so the purpose, the reason you pay the fees with some of these is that it's because they know you can't, not everybody's going to be trustworthy, and it provides insurance in the system, and it's also how they make their money. And there are several of these organizations, and uh, they vary in quality and their method of operation. Which one are you looking at?
1: This one is called trustedhousesitters.com.
0: Yeah, and that one, the reviews are are pretty good. Some of the others, not so much. That's
1: what I found, yeah. Mm -hmm. I found the same thing. I read all the customer reviews, testimonials, and... Uh, it seems completely above board. It was just you know the ninety dollars was kind of staring me in the face, and I, I just wanted to run it by you first to to make sure that was a legitimate. Well, you know, uh, if you're cost.
0: staying somewhere in somebody's home for days, you're taking care of their dogs or cats. Um, you're being there, bringing in the mail, and and you know bringing if they if anybody still gets a newspaper other than me, bringing in their newspapers from the curb, getting their packages that are being delivered, and bringing them in and all that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're you're essentially doing a little bit of work to be able to be there, but you get a great benefit if you're paying a flat $90 to be able to stay there for several days, weeks, whatever. Um, I, I think it's reasonable.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Good to know.
0: And again, this is something we've had zero complaints about. That doesn't mean there aren't people who are going to ca- call up now and say, Clark, are you an idiot? Do you know blah, blah, (laughs) blah happened? So, yeah. But it does seem that that one has its act together.
1: Great. I guess I'll go ahead and click submit. Thank you for your help.
0: Where do you think you're going to travel?
1: I'm going to start in Japan and make my way to Nepal. And from there, I don't know.
0: Okay. So I got to say something about that. So you're going to be house sitting in other countries? Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, know that the housing standards in many other countries are not at the level we're used to. Let's take Japan for a second. Japan is one of the wealthiest countries on earth, but the housing stock is much more basic than what we're used to. Mm. And there are people who live in very, very nice homes in Japan, but particularly in that massive blob of urban, urbanism or whatever, from Tokyo to Osaka, people live in very tight quarters, a lot of times not very, uh, kind of drab places, I guess I'd say. And sure. so don't expect things on a lot of places you go to be the level that you are
1: used to. Mm-hmm. Okay, I just, will lower my expectations for just, sure.
0: Just want you to know that. I mean, the same rule <laughs> yeah. applies with Airbnb in a lot of countries, that Airbnbs will be uh, not at the same caliber of accommodations that maybe you expect and what you're used to. Ralph is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Ralph.
1: How are you? Great, thank you, Ralph. How can I serve you? Yes, I received uh, an email from a company that said I had a lot of money in unclaimed, like $37,000. Wouldn't And that be someone, fantastic? That would be awesome. So I made the call to them, and of course, they wanted to know everything about me, and then they wanted me to pay them a good sum of money, and they wanted my social security number. And I'm thinking, if you can get it for a fee, I can get it for free. I'll talk to Clark Howard. So
0: well, you, I, I love the way you said that. It rhymed. It was great. And uh, so you are you are right, and uh, I wanted to tell you that it's become much easier for you to find money that's gone unclaimed. I also want to tell you this, that could also be what's known as a pretext, a scam with somebody trying to get personal information and or money from you, and there is no $37,000 out there. I mean, there could be, but uh, you also stand the risk that this is just a con. So I'll tell you how to find out uh, what might be out there. Ready? First place you go to is
1: unclaimed.org. Have you seen that? I have not, but I'm sitting here with a uh, colleague of mine, and he said something along those lines, but he's writing now.
0: Okay, so unclaimed.org is a clearinghouse for all the states around the country, you can go and look at the state databases. Second is one that um, I used to say first, but there are a number of states that don't participate in the very, very, very easy-to-use MissingMoney.com database. Awesome. Both of these are completely free to use. Have you ever owned an FHA home, a home with an FHA home loan on it?
1: No, I have not. Not an FHA.
0: So we'll skip that. Have you ever worked for a company that had a pension? Yes, I did. And have you claimed that pension? No, I have not. Okay, it's possible that something's happened with that pension that the company had, and there may be pension money that is there for you. If you go to a website for the Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation, which is P is in Paul, B is in Benefit, G is in George, um, PBGC, C is in Charlie.gov, you'll be able to see. And I also have an article we just updated on Clark.com, all the different ways you should go search to see if there is money missing for you so you can claim it. I hope you find that 37000 David's with us on the Clark Howard Show, and David, you've decided to dump a full commission stockbroker. Congratulations to you. That is a day of freedom for your wallet when you dump a full commission stockbroker.
1: Yes, sir. That's exactly what I'm going for, and thank you so much for taking my call.
0: Certainly. Um, Are you going to go to one of the low-cost companies that I always yapping about?
1: that's the plan. So I actually went and met with one of them that is the administrator of my 401k
2: at work, just in talking with them, they said, well, let's look at what your 401k money is in. And it just happens to be in the exact same retirement age index fund that you would recommend for my IRA normally. And so my only question for you is, is it really a good idea to just put my IRA in that exact same fund Should I keep looking for other options instead of putting all of my eggs in one basket? How old
0: are you, David? I am 40. At 40, it would be fine for you to go into, you're doing like the um, 2045 fund? Yes, sir. Yeah, so it would be fine for you to do your IRA as an exact mirror image of what you're doing in your 401k, I would say till you're about 55. Okay. And then at that point, you could consider doing a split where your IRA, let's say, goes into some more bonds if you wished. And because bonds inside an IRA are a good choice, because bonds have tax issues that you don't have inside an IRA, and leave mm. your 401k totally focused on the 2045 fund. Or you could, there's enough diversification within those funds. You could just leave 2045 in both of them, but we got a lot of time between now and when you'll be, you got 15 years before really you need to focus on that and Mm -hmm. who knows what kind of investment choices and options will be available 15 years down the road. So for now, I would just do straight 2045 in both. And know that the key is the money you put aside at low cost that's diversified. And those funds are well diversified. Great news is you're saving in both places. I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. You know, something so different about what we do is... This show is about your empowerment with knowledge. So you can do those exact things. Save more, spend less, know anybody rip you off. Where most shows you listen to are about politics, right? That's not what we do. We're about helping each other. And you rely on me to give the best possible advice and information that exists. And there are times I'm a human, I'm a guy. I'll miss the boat. I'll give an answer you feel is wrong or incomplete. And so that's why I need your feedback. If you go to clark.com slash clarkstinks, you can post where you feel I didn't deliver for you. And others can read your posts, they can comment on them, they can agree, add to it, disagree, whatever. And then weekly, our producer Krista goes through your posts and picks her favorites to share with you right here on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You
3: should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong.
1: Maybe you're right, pal.
3: On a recent show, you stated that mobile passport is free. It is only free to download. After a seven-day trial period, it costs fourteen ninety-nine per year. David. David,
0: um, thank you. You know, you're the third person that I've heard from about Mobile Passport, and the app is misleading because there is, until they decide to take this away, there's the paid version, which is 15 bucks a year, and then there's a free version that requires that you do manual labor each time you arrive at a port of entry that has Mobile Passport. And so I use the free version and just uh, manually put in the information each time to save the money, and I've never had to pay yet. Now, uh, you may wonder why I would even use it if I'm global entry. There are times that mobile passport is, ironically enough, quicker than global entry, or a place may have, arriving in the U.S., may have mobile passport available but not have global entry. There's a program that allows you to really jump the line and enter the United States a whole lot quicker than you would otherwise.
3: I would like you to share as much inside info about Sam's Club as you do about Costco. There are three Sam's Clubs within a few miles of where I live. There is only one Costco in my town, and it is a long drive there. Plus, Costco membership costs more than Sam's Club does. Sam's Club has saved our family a lot of money over the years, especially on tires and car batteries. Susan.
0: Susan, uh, I shop, obviously, at both Sam's Club and Costco Wholesale, but more at Costco than at Sam's. And uh, with Sam's, I want to say something about the membership. Sam's offers membership specials for new members repeatedly that make the effective cost of membership nearly free or the equivalent of beyond free. And we post those deals on ClarkDeals.com when Sam's Club has a membership special. As far as the tricks of the trade in a Sam's Club, Sam's Club has an equivalent of Costco's 97 Anything that ends in $0.97 is a clearance item typically being sold below Costco's cost. At Sam's Club, it's anything that ends in a penny. So $0.41, $0.91, whatever number of cents, $0.81. If you see that one, that means that it's an item that they are getting rid of. There are not as many tricks that I'm aware of in a Sam's Club as there are to saving money in a Costco, but that one thing alone, you watch the items on the shelf, and that will be something that may well save you money. By the way, also look at Sam's Club for the number sign in the upper right-hand corner of a pricing thing. That means an item is not typically going to be restocked. You see a ton of them there. Wait till it goes to being 41 or 91 or whatever cents and get it at a better price.
3: Thanks for helping me get spam. I was doing research for a new vehicle and went to Sam's car buying service. Immediately I <laughs> is started this the Sam's, Club Sam's Club edition of yes, Clark this is, I had too, so I thought I'd read together. Immediately I started getting emails repeatedly from a half a dozen car dealers in the area. I sent them to junk mail, but it doesn't stop them. I tried replying to beg them to stop, but the messages come back undeliverable. This has gotta be the worst way to buy a car. These dealers need to know that they have permanently turned me off. No way am I going to use Sam's or these spamming dealers, Timothy. Timothy, thank
0: you. And this gives me an opportunity to talk again about the engine behind the Sam's Club car buying program, the USAA car buying program, and several other organizations are using a company called True Car. True Car used to give you a price for a vehicle and then you actively could choose whether or not to contact a dealer. Now TrueCar has morphed to be far more car dealer friendly and less consumer friendly by becoming lead generation service for car dealers. And you will get spammed out of your mind. Two things you should do before you use the SAM's Club Car buying program, USAA, um, Consumer Reports Car buying program has TrueCar um, behind the scenes. What you want to do is you want to get a burner email address. You want to get an email address that is car at gmail.com or whatever. You want to have something like that. Uh, well, the point was you want to have, you yeah. didn't like that, I said Clark. No,
3: it's fine. It's right. fine. We'll whatever. just register that right now.
0: Yeah, we'll register that. Okay. The other thing is I've talked about getting um, burner phone numbers, getting a Google voice number or getting a, uh, there's a thing called the Burner app, get a separate phone number that you put in so that the car dealers can't hassle you and harass you, that all you're trying to do is buy a car at a better deal, and True Car has certainly taken a lot of the fun out of that process.
3: A gentleman named Jim called into the show with a question, but before he asked his question, he thanked Clark for his service in the State Guard. The gentleman also mentioned other gentlemen and servicemen, which, as a woman in the military, rankled me quite a bit. Women serve proudly, too, in all branches of the military, so there is no excuse to ignore their contributions. The caller stinks in this regard, and Clark stinks, too, for failing to catch this error on the air. Teresa.
0: Teresa, first I'll say to you, thank you for your service, and I have the privilege of serving with wonderful men and women who share a patriotic duty to protect our nation, and it doesn't matter who you are, um, where you come from, whatever. What's great about our nation is that we are given the privilege to serve our country, and I am proud to serve with so many wonderful men and women in the U.S. military.
3: Hey, Pepe LeClark. No Clark rage over the recent bait-and-switch pulled by the FTC regarding the $125 cash settlement for victims of the Equifax data breach. FTC Assistant Director Robert Shashinsky Robert wrote in a blog post that a large number of the claims for cash instead of credit monitoring means only one thing. Each person who takes the money option will wind up getting only a small amount of money. Nowhere near the $125 they could have gotten if there hadn't been such an enormous number of claims filed. Must have been too many Clark Howard fans out there who knew the credit monitoring offer was a joke and opted for the cash settlement instead. Keep fighting the good fight, Clark. Thanks for all you and your team do for the American consumer. Jeff in Menominee Falls, Wisconsin.
0: Menominee Falls.
3: Menominee Falls, Menominee Wisconsin. Falls. Sorry, Jeff. Sorry, <laughs> Menominee Falls. You've never been to Menominee Falls? I haven't, but I it's ha- on my list.
0: Okay. So, anyway, um, this was absolutely Clark Rage's. And we did a Clark Rage's moment about it how the feds rolled over for Equifax and came up with this joke of a non settlement. And it is an embarrassment that our federal government feels like its job is to protect Equifax instead of protecting the American people. The settlement announced when originally it was made it sound like people would get 125. By the time this is done, maybe people will get 125 cents, and it it makes no sense at all. Equifax has not suffered in any meaningful way for its gross negligence, but 150 million of us as Americans have a lifetime threat of identity theft because of Equifax.
3: Clark, you touted the benefits of ACA plans, including compliance with the HSA requirements. Unfortunately, many of the plans on ACA are not HDHP slash HSA compliant, even with extremely high deductibles and premiums, including all of the plans in Indiana. Guy.
0: Guy, thank you. Uh, What you're referring to is there are special requirements about what happens once you've met your deductible as the primary blocker to people being HSA eligible. A plan that is HSA eligible has to be beyond just having a high deductible, which most health plans seem to have now. And so the fact that in Indiana you have zero plans available to you that are HSA eligible is terrible because the HSA is such a great tool for us to take more responsibility over our health and our healthcare costs.
3: All right. um, I'm going to need you to sit down for this one. Embrace yourself. Okay. I saved it for last because I'm a little nervous about how you're going to react. Clark, Clark, Clark. I recently traveled out west for vacation, and while in Los Angeles, I told my wife we need to go to In-N-Out Burger. Clark always mentions them when people are in California. I thought, this is going to be wonderful. Well, it was a burger joint, and it was okay. You refer to In-N-Out as though it is out of this world. I have to disagree. I really consider your advice, and I have a nickname. I've nicknamed you. It's Clarkopedia. Clarkopedia. Except for burger advice, you smell like a rose, Mark. Mark,
0: I'm so sorry you had a bad In-N-Out experience. My wife and daughter and son and I were at In-N-Out Burger in Oakland, and the burgers weren't that special that day. And so ever forward, they're like, yeah, yeah, you want to go to In-N-Out, but I'm not eating that burger so, you know, no place is perfect every time, but I don't like that my wife is filing a Clark Stinks under an assumed <laughs> name and In-N-Out Burger, I, I love it, but it doesn't mean I'm right. Food is a very personal thing and maybe you have been to In-N-Out and had as good an experience as I usually do. But anyway, I want to hear from you. <laughs> Please go to clark.com slash stinks, And if you feel I have missed the mark, let me know.
4: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: Joseph joins us on the Clark Howard Show. And Joseph, you have a very generous dad, I gather. Well, yeah, he's
2: trying to give his kids a house that's been in the family for about four generations now. And uh, I was kind of curious what the best way to go about doing it.
0: So um, are you the only child who's going to receive the house? Or is it one of those things that you're going to be sharing this house ownership with siblings?
2: Well, here's the thing. He hasn't made a decision on that yet. Um, I have an older sister and a younger sister. And he hasn't decided if he wants to give it to one of us or somehow put it in a trust with all of us. I was actually the one who suggested he could probably do that. It's an, it's an option he has, but he just now started thinking about all these things. And, um, I asked him cause he's paying taxes on it now, which aren't very much, but I asked him if he wanted to keep paying taxes, you know, in his retirement or if he wanted to give it away, you know, before then. So he's not paying those while he's retired and he didn't even have an answer to that yet. But, um,
0: How old are each of you as siblings?
2: So my oldest sister is 36. I'm 27, and my younger sister is 26.
0: Okay. You know, your lives, particularly you and your younger sister, your lives are going to change so much over the years. I know there's family sentimental issues here and great family history with this having been through generations. Have you talked with your two sisters about how they feel about this place?
2: I have, actually, because uh, that's one of the things my dad was talking about was, you know, he didn't want to offend anybody with his decision. He kind of wanted us to see if we could come to a consensus. And um, basically, if he gave it to all of us, we're all okay with it. If he cho- if he was going to pick one person, it would probably be me or my older sister. And from what I gather, everybody's kind of okay with either one of those options. So he can't really do anything wrong. But um, the important factor here is that it's not going to be sold. So we're not really... My question is more about making it less of a financial burden on anybody he gives it to and less about, you know, resale value or capital gains, because I don't uh, think that's going to be a factor. Well, None of us want to sell it.
0: You're a neat guy that that's where your heart and head are on this. <laughs> so that that's really nice. So I will tell you that it families do this where a parent will give a, a vacation home to A bunch of kids and it generally doesn't work out that hot because Mm -hmm. over the years each of you will have different levels of financial strength and different interests you may move away to other parts of the country away from where this vacation home is and i would say with your ages how's your dad's health
2: Oh, he's in good shape, and he's he's only like fifty-five now, so you so know he's got a would, while. I would not
0: him. make any move right now with that property at all. Okay, I think it would be a mistake to set up a trust. I think it would be a mistake to decide to give it to one of the three of you right now, because I'm telling you, where let's say let's say your dad lives normal lifespan, which would be uh, sometime into his eighties. Think about where each of you are going to be. That would mean that your oldest sister is in her mid-60s and mm-hmm. you and your younger sister are in your mid-50s.
2: Right. So, Well, the thing is, it's kind of an interesting situation. It's not just our vacation home. It's almost like a, an entire family vacation home. We have extended relatives that come in and, and visit the place all the time. So it's sort of like he's not he's not choosing an owner. It's more of a proprietor. We're all kind of spread out now. Nobody lives within 10 hours of it, you know, driving distance.
0: So for now, unless it is a horrible burden on your dad, I think the best thing is to do nothing now. Mm -hmm. I, I don't see any upside to making a decision about this property at the point you are in each of your lives as kids. You're spread out by your own telling. Your dad's still by the actuarial tables, young, and if he wants to, in his will, to say who would inherit it and he can change that later based on how circumstances would change, I think that's fine. If he's got expenses for it and he doesn't want to bear those expenses and this is used by extended family, I think having some kind of amount that people pay when they go use it would be a way to make it more equitable for him and for others. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.